971 FM Talk Podcast. Oh, yeah. This you is the song that I warmed my voice up with this morning, actually. You know that? Is it really? Not I Barry White? I was just thinking it, you were a Barry White kind of guy. <laughs> he can't. No, it was this one. Chris Stapleton there, man. Good good choice, Carl. Good what's, job, buddy. What's the name of that this song? Su- Tennessee Whiskey? Yes. Imagine that. Yeah. We'll talk and, about and it. It's an iconic song that everybody uh, enjoys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but but until you hear David Allen Coe or George Jones do it, do you really understand how much uh, Stapleton changed it? I mean, it's so good. Well, oh, I'll, so I'll, good. I'll talk more about it coming up here in just a couple minutes. Welcome into the show, everyone. And uh, I will be in Memphis drinking some Tennessee whiskey this weekend. Bo Matthews. And what what song? What what what, uh, what show is this? How about that? What show is this called? Uh, I'm sorry, it's not it's not. Uh, it's, it's not, not the, the mash. mash. No, it's not. No, it's uh, the the great outdoors. I may be outdoors. It's going to be in the sixties down there, and it'll be cold. Snowing up here. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. Uh, but Drinking I am traveling Elvis. down there. I'll give you more details on that in a couple of minutes. You know, one of the big stories I think we probably need to talk about this week is, of course, what oh. happened at the Super Bowl parade in Kansas City um, on Wednesday. What a, what a tragic situation. As more details keep unfolding uh, in this, the it didn't take till the end of the day. Like it happened at what around noon, uh, maybe. It's one funny o'clock. you say that. I was in a meeting and I didn't hear about it for like a couple of hours after it happened. Right. Do you know the time that it happened? Well, the the parade started at eleven, and this happened okay. about forty minutes after the 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 stage presentation ended and the team had already left they were on their buses headed back to the stadium and um so it happened after the actual parade and everything was over so it had to be after 1 30 or 2 o'clock i'm sure this was a two or three hour process right um and that's that's when the shooting broke out uh, there were still a lot of people there Let's put it that Prayer, way. Prayers for Kansas City. My goodness, yeah. you know, it, it, and it was such a, a great victory, and so many people around the state and around the country so excited, you know, uh, that for it to end like this is just horrible. Well, as we record this, uh, we we don't know all the details on the shooters. There there have been some social media stories flying around about who 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 might be involved here, and if it's true, um, it's going to be explosive. Let's let's put it that way. Not from a terrorism. Uh, perspective, but just in terms of who the individual players might have been in this situation. Uh, yeah. But the bigger story is the the every time this happens, like clockwork, you can take it to the bank, you can set your watch by it. The, the a local politician and a national politician and the White House and the national media will all start the drumbeat: gun bad, gun control that's That's immediately where they go to even though the the issue at stake here is criminality that's always the issue and it irritates me when people who don't know their 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 rear end from a hole in the ground like charles barkley decide they're going to go on and opine about this and uh, carl has got one of the bites queued up that i played on on my show this week so this guy, number one, doesn't think backgrounds are uh, background checks are any good. He thinks it should take more than fifteen or twenty minutes, and not just anybody ought to be able to get a gun because he thinks they're too easy to get, which just means he doesn't know what he's talking about. Then he rolls this one out, Bo. Listen to the analogy that Charles Barkley made to buying a gun. 
If a what? normal person went into, let's say, hypothetically, a Mercedes-Benz dealership, yeah. they wouldn't let them say, hey, I'll just take whatever you tell me. I can afford it. They would do a comprehensive background check. Yeah. On a car. Right. right you don't right. think we should do that with guns? Yeah. We should do a. And, and I, I, I'm not trying to simplify it. I'm not trying to be flippant. But I can't walk in a, in a Mercedes Benz dealership and say, I'll take the best one you got. They're like, well, we need to see some bank records and what kind of job you got and everything. It what? should at least be that on guns. But you know what's. <laughs> what? I'm watching Bo's face as he's that, listening to that for the first time. That's that's not even relevant. It's, isn't that, that the dumbest thing you've ever heard? He and and he's a a gazillionaire. He could walk in and buy any. Nobody's going to be checking nothing. They're going to be right. They're sign on the dotted line right here. They know who he is. That analogy doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. If you walked into a dealership with a hundred thousand dollars in a bag and said, "I want that hundred thousand dollar car over there," all you'd have to do is sign your name on a piece of paper and drive off with it. it it's, now, it's there's no relevance here. The people that are anti gunners are anti gunners. That's all they care about. They don't care about the facts. They don't care about the criminal history of who did it or their intent or any of that none of it you, you uh, the only the only hiccup in that in that analogy would be if you walked into a mercedes-benz dealership drunk with a hundred thousand dollars they, <laughs> they may not, not sell it you... to you then <laughs> they'd sell it to you they just give they just drive you home in it that, that that's what they would <laughs> yeah, do exactly you know there's wow. no car salesman in the world that's going to let you get out of there if you walk in with a bag of money it's just this, this is, is this is what it devolves to. I mean, on CNN, they're they're arguing over we've got to do something. On the Joy Reid show, they had a lady on talking about um, the SAPA law in Missouri and how they've got they've they've gone backwards on gun control and they're reducing gun control and it's easy for people in Missouri to get weapons and none of this addresses the fact that these are criminals who broke the law. They don't care, Bo. <laughs> they don't care what the laws are. Right? Well, and and again, uh, the t- the timing of the recording of this show is Thursday morning. So yes. uh, when you're listening to the show, we may have now already seen mugshots, which we didn't by Thursday morning. We don't have any details on who they are, where they're from, or whatever. But this is, yeah, th- this is something like you said. The drum beats. Uh, let's get the guns. Let's Every get the guns. Time. Round them up. Every People are getting time. hurt. You know Every why time. we're doing okay. this on Thursday morning? Because. Thursday afternoon, Mark Cox is headed to Tennessee uh, to have some whiskey. Going, headed going down to, to drink with Elvis. So, so some good good friends of mine I work with uh, on my show are some great supporters of the show's Lore Wine and Spirits. Um, and they have a relationship with Old Dominic Distillery down in Memphis. Fantastic. Ooh. They make they make some great bourbon called Hewling Station. It's a square-looking bottle. If you haven't tried it yet, you need to get some. They make, they've make they also uh, put out a, a Tennessee whiskey that is a very different take on, on the Tennessee whiskeys you're probably used to. It's delicious. Um, they've invited us down to, to come and tour the distillery and do some samples. I'm going to do an interview with the master what? distiller. Their master what? distiller is one of the few female master distillers in the business. Her name is Alex Castle. And she, she claims that a, a woman's palate, when it comes to drinking bourbon and whiskey, is very different than a man's. And she credits that to what she's doing there at, at Old Dominic. Wow, that's that's pretty impressive. Um, so, are you going to identify as a woman then when you're down there? <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think it's any of your business, Bo. <laughs> I'm just no, no. Uh, uh, we're we're also going like to get decide decide sampling plenty of good 
bourbon and whiskey, we're going to get a chance to go see an NBA game. I've, I've been to three NBA games in my life. I went to I saw oh, wow. Michael Jordan back in the uh, in the late eighties. Lucky in in Detroit, I saw him playing a game in Detroit against Bill Lambeer and, and the Pistons. I, I watched a game in Orlando a couple years ago with my son. Gosh, probably been ten years actually now. And now I'm going to go see the Memphis Grizzlies play Milwaukee on th- on uh, tonight. A Thursday good team night, playing a bad team. Yeah. So on this trip, was there a plus one? Could you not have called me? <laughs> you know, my son said the same thing. He's like, "Gosh, Dad, wasn't there any more room in the car?" <laughs> I'm like, Hello. "Listen, I'm a guest. I've, I'm I've a been passenger. invited along on this. That's right. I'm just a passenger. You are the plus one. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, and will you be will you be doing an, uh, a, a, a podcast yes. for the Mash while I'm you're down? Gonna, there? I'm going to do a version of the podcast Mash with uh, Alex Castle from Old Dominic while we're there. Talk about going on their, a field trip. Talking about That's some awesome. of their their new. Uh, uh, bourbons they've got out and whiskeys. So. Outstanding. we got a lot for you on the show. Second Amendment Radio on the Great Outdoors. Going to talk the St. Louis RV Travel Show coming up next. Stay right there. Tennessee whiskey. the truth second amendment radio and the great outdoors my name is bo matthews alongside mark cox and carl middleman our executive producer and we are all excited you know it's it's great time to go down to america center uh to take in the stl rv travel show because you know current rvers can go in and look for upgrades because they do trade-ins yes uh, everybody wants to upgrade right (laughs) Uh, secondly, if you're a first time RV buyer, boy, I'll tell you what, this is the, this is the show to go to because you can gather as much information as you can. And so excited. I love going to the show because dreamers, you get to dream. We've got uh, Bradley Eubanks from Bill Thomas campers in Wentzville, by the way, the only dealer for airstreams in the St. Louis area. And if you are an airstream fan and I know I am, my wife is, um, this is the guy to talk to. We're going to talk about the whole show. Plus the coolness of airstreams. And uh, and their their cool uh, aerodynamic look. Uh, welcome to the show, Bradley. How are you, sir? I'm doing great today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, buddy. Are you excited about the show? Yeah, we are. It's uh, uh, I often refer to it as our Super Bowl. It's uh, right? how we kick off the se- yeah how we kick off the selling season every year, and it's a great way for people to uh, sort of break into spring fever. Yeah, so what you're saying is Taylor Swift might arrive at this show. Is it that's a possibility? You're saying that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, Bradley, I, uh, I I think maybe you and I met one time. I, I actually uh, I did some uh, some ads on my radio show for Bill Thomas uh, back in uh, 2016, 2017, when I first started on this radio station and loved to come out there and take a tour. And the, you gravitate to where those airstreams are. I, I can just tell you that. That was one of the first places they took me when they took me on a tour of the lot was to show your selection. And I believe uh, there were there was a time in recent years where, I mean, but your business just exploded during COVID, right? 
Yeah, it sure did. It was, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it was a benefit to our industry overall, for sure. And uh, But like you were saying, the Airstream tends to be, it's so unique in the yeah. industry, and it's regarded as, you know, the, the, the cream of the crop, um, classic uh, design and, and timeless um, characteristics make it a real draw. Yeah, there's no Is there a with- benefit? Is there a benefit to it being the shape that it is as far as aerodynamics, uh, or is it just a tip of the hat to the old RVs of, of yesterday? Yes. No, they've, they've done wind tunnel testing and, and proven um, uh, you know, better gas mileage through their aerodynamics. Yeah, I'd say. So, you know, I've got a camper now, uh, and we pull it all over the place. It's one of those that's got the slide out on the side. Um, mm-hmm. the, the perception is that those campers give you more room. But I tell you what, man, you talk about utilizing space. We were camping then last year, I believe, somewhere down near the Lake of the Ozarks, and the people next to us were in an Airstream. And uh, they actually invited us in to see the inside of it, and it was mm-hmm. impressive. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. Um, you know, the the way I often think about it is that these manufacturers make the different models and floor plans to suit different needs. And, you know, just like in, in a home, um, people configure them or, or are drawn to certain configurations based on um, their lifestyle, the number of people that are, are in the home or in, in the case of an RV, the number of people that are camping with them. So it's all about where you go and what are you doing when you get there. Um, and, and that's the beauty of the industry is that they, they make them in so many different configurations to suit uh, the, the different uh, lifestyles and, and needs of, of, the, of the public. Well, the the cool thing about the uh, the Airstream is that it's a it's an iconic brand, as I mentioned, and you guys are in other classes besides just travel trailers, correct? With that brand, uh, yes, we have uh, yeah we have uh, fifth wheels and travel trailers, and and with Airstream we carry their motorized product, the 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 vans. But but I should say at the at the show. Um, Across, you know, the dealers that that will that will be participating in the show, bring a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, from, you know, we also carry the the slide in truck campers, um, and so we'll we'll start there, if you will, and then at the at the show, people can see everything up to and including the big Class A diesel motorhomes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not. I'm gonna probably use the wrong terminology here, Bradley. So correct me if <laughs> correct me if I do. But I've driven. I've driven past. I go past your lot all the time on my way back and forth to Jeff City or or uh, Columbia. I, I've seen the the. Uh, I, would it be a Class A? Is it the class? Is that what they refer to it as? The motorized version of the of the uh, Airstream. Well, the 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 Airstream vans are considered a Class B class as B, a boy. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it gets gets a little confusing, but um, <laughs> the terminology doesn't much matter. It it really is a is a matter of um, uh, of getting out and, and getting in these things, sitting in them to get the look, the feel, um, you know, touch the thing. And that's again, that's the beauty of the show is you have all these RVs under one roof where uh, you can you can tour them all and, and, and see what strikes your fancy. So correct me if I'm wrong, is, the, is that a chassis, is that on a Mercedes chassis? 
That is uh, that is a very common, and yes, that's what Airstream uses primarily. It's okay. a very common chassis in the industry. Um, but they, in Airstream's case, they also introduced last year uh, a, a new model that is on the Dodge. It's on a Dodge oh, chassis. Okay. Yeah. Right. So it's a gas. Yeah. It makes it more affordable, but it's still a full functioning uh, RV. Uh, you know, is it just a uh, a uh, I don't know? Is it is it uh, kind of known that Airstreams hold their value better than some of the other brands? Which all the brands are fantastic that are going to be featured at the mm-hmm. show, but do Airstreams hold their value better? They really do, um, and that that is that's proven by the data over time. Um, one of the things that is truly well, one of the other things that's truly unique about an Airstream. Is it is considered a, a generational product, and what we mean by that is, if a person just does basic care and maintenance, um, these trailers will last for generations and can can actually be passed down, you know, in in a family. Sure. We have a, a 1968 Airstream in our shop right now that we're doing some work on. But it is completely roadworthy. It is completely ready to go. And there's there's oh, yeah. uh, the Vintage Airstream Club uh, has trailers that date back as, as early as the 40s that are still in use and still on the road today. That's that's great. Bradley Eubanks, our guest from uh, Bill Thomas Camper Sales out in uh, Wentzville. You know, uh, just for a moment before we get back into what all is going to be at the show, because I went last year and I want to talk to you about that a little bit. What's your, I mean, what's your reaction to the the explosion in interest in camping? I mean, honestly, and I know COVID played somewhat of a role in that, but my wife and I traveled to Glacier National Park uh, twice over the last couple of years, and it is so crowded now that you've got to plan six months out to the day before you want to camp mm-hmm. to even have a chance of getting a campsite at some of these places. I mean, it, it is amazing mm-hmm. how many people are out there enjoying RVing now. Yeah, no, it, it it's it's really terrific. And 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 yeah, one of the the downsides, if you will, of of the explosion in popularity in the industry is, um, it's it, well, in some cases, it is a, a truly a lack of, of of campsites. But I think more acute is the uh, the. The, the most popular destinations uh, do get booked up and sold out well in advance. But I think one of the things that um, uh, has is, it, that has really helped our industry is just the industry itself has uh, has never stopped innovating and in, in is using better materials, producing a higher quality product, more appealing to uh, you know to a broader uh, scope of 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 the public. And as a result, when people, you know, I think many people think of the old days and what RVs used to be, and then they're very surprised when they get in one. Yeah. And in, in first timers, you know, the most common uh, expression is like, is something along the lines of, I had no idea <laughs> that, you know, these things were this nice, that they had this much space or these many features and all oh, yeah. of the, the wonderful things that, that the product has to offer. Well, to to Mark's point uh, about you know destinations, the great thing about this show is even if you own your RV, you have no no ideas that you want to you know switch out, upgrade, or anything. Uh, at the show, there will be a lot of uh, camp 
site representation, tourism bureaus that'll be on site. Let's let's talk about some of those, uh, if you can, about some of the destinations people can learn about when they go out to the show. Yeah, well, and I think uh, one of the things, you know, that when people are contemplating an RV, they often think of national parks. Um, most of our customers, though, uh, stay within Missouri for most of their camping. And I think once people uh, start to research and get acquainted with all of the destinations and resources in the state, you realize you don't have to go, uh, you know, within 100 miles. There's dozens of places to go. My wife and I camped last fall in down in the uh, Acadia Valley, which was about two hours from here. And, uh, and you know, it it it. it it was unknown to us and absolutely beautiful. And I would go back, you know, in, in a heartbeat. And so to your point, yes, there will be uh, a number of camp campgrounds uh, at the show um, promoting, you know, what, what they have to offer at their place. And, and again, it's many of these places are, are within in an hour or two, or certainly within a hundred miles of St. Louis. Yeah, sounds great. We're talking about the St. Louis RV and Travel Show coming up February 23rd to the 25th at America Center. Went down there last year. I, I have to tell you, Bradley, my wife and I uh, bought a small camper a couple years ago, immediately realized it was too small. We upgraded. We got a 30-foot pull trailer now. And and ultimately, we'd like to have a fifth wheel. So we went down there last year. We get to walking around, and boy, was that my mistake taking my wife down there. She <laughs> she sees this she sees this four season uh, fifth wheel. I don't even remember. I don't even remember the brand, but uh, right where the pantry would be, right next to the kitchen, there was a door you could open, and there was a separate room in there that she's decided she could turn into an office. So she's now mm-hmm. got her mind set on this this fifth wheel Ooh. and. Man, I'm just telling you, if you just want to dream a little bit, it is a great place to go see what the possibilities are. Or it could be a mobile recording studio and you could write off the RV. You're there welcome. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Always thinking. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, right. and, and really and truly, uh, you know, one of the things that, that we've seen in, in recent years are people using RVs in in ways that we never imagined. Um, so there's a, 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 a model uh, called the toy hauler because it has a garage in the back. Right. And very yeah. often these garages are they're intended for toys like motorcycles and side by sides and stuff. But very often they get used for something you know completely different where um, artists use them as an art studio and mm. and. On and on and on, in, in again in ways that 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 people would have never dreamed. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. I know people are excited about the show and uh, honored to be a part of the promotion of the show as well uh, with the St. Louis RV Travel Show, February twenty third and twenty fifth. You'll be hearing my voice promoted because I've been working with uh, Wildman Agency. They're a great crew, uh, great crew that uh, promotes it and has been part of the STL RV. Uh, group uh, for a long time. But uh, Bradley, really a pleasure to talk to you. By the way, if you got a deal on one of those teeny tiny Airstreams, that's the one my wife wants. I could probably pull it with her VW Beetle. Um, Those things are cool. But Bradley, thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Thank you. All right. Good. Maybe maybe we'll run into him down there. Yeah. And you can get your tickets online at stlrv.com to get down to the show. So you can uh, just go on down and And upgrade. Bo Matthews' big booming voice.
this weekend only at the <laughs> America Center. <laughs> I love hey, it. it's a gig, brother. It's a gig, brother. Good for you. That's great. Coming up, uh, you know, if you're into this, you can be into the shooting sports. Maybe you enjoy going out every once in a while and shooting. If you've never considered competitive shooting, we're going to have an expert on here from the International Defensive Pistol Association. If you've not heard of it, you're going to be enlightened. If you have, we'll have a lot of details on ways to get involved here locally. Coming up on Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors. Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors. This segment is proudly brought to you by Razorback Armory. If you have never shot a firearm with a suppressor, it is time to get educated. And Razorback Armory is your silencer headquarters. Stop in and talk to Jesse and Brad and the crew there. They can get the uh, the whole process started. You can purchase one. They've got one for dang near every caliber that's out there. Check them out at RazorbackArmory.com. But they're on Manchester Road just east of 270. You are going to love the experience. Okay, so we talk about training all the time on this show, cleaning your weapon, training your weapon to make sure that is it can be as close to second nature as possible. And, Mark, I'm super excited about this guest. <laughs> Sometimes, Bo Matthews, you got to put it on the line, right? You know what I'm saying? You've been in yeah. your basement. You've been practicing with Mantis X. You, you're telling me how good you are these days. I'm going to challenge you to, to go to an IDPA competition. <sighs> And tell me Can't how you're wait. doing then. So if you're not Can't familiar wait. with that, it is the International Defensive Pistol Association. They hold they hold matches at uh, I know at the Rain St. Louis West. I've I've been involved in one there in the past, and we've got Jason Brown on the phone with us right now. We're not talking about that, Bo. I've got uh, Jason, <laughs> Jason Brown on the phone with us right now from uh, IDPA. And uh, Jason, thanks for giving us some time today. Uh, gentlemen, it's great to be here. Thanks for taking the time with me. Yes, sir. So, you know, I, I was telling Bo there a minute ago, um, the folks at the range had a, they had some, some sort of a, I don't know, some sort of a promotion a while back. So they had me come out and go through the course and shoot. And then, then everybody else's challenge was to come and beat me, which it ended up, I surprisingly did better than I expected, Bo. I don't remember what my actual score was. Um, oh, okay. But it was, it, okay. was a lot, it was a lot of fun, and it was my first experience with IDPA. So, Jason, tell people a little bit about the, the organization uh, and kind of maybe maybe how it got started and, and how far it's come today. Sure, I'd be glad to. So, IDPA started in late 90s. Uh, the, the thinking behind it started a little earlier than that, but the idea was to wrap some sort of easy way to, for people with their concealed carry gear to enter into a shooting competition with a very low barrier of entry. Most, most shooting competitions have fairly expensive requirements to be competitive, but in IDPA, the, the idea was just getting people out with their concealed carry gear and giving them an opportunity to exercise and prove that their gear is the kind of gear that they want for that kind of activity, or for shooting under pressure uh, and being able to perform on demand. 
Yeah. And, uh, yeah. No, go ahead. You, and it, you say concealed carry. One of the classes I was in, I mean, they, those weren't necessarily concealed carry size guns. So I'm assuming that's been part of the transformation. Well, sure. Certainly the game has become, and it's been influenced by other sports as well yeah. and the market in general. <clears throat> so you have one of the core tenants was not just to have concealed carry citizens be able to practice with their gear, but also to have military and law enforcement people be able to prove their gear in a similar competition. And it's just an idea. The idea is to get people who rely on a firearm, even if it's only the worst day of their lives, to be able to know how they might be able to perform, uh, you know, under that pressure, a simulated pressure. Granted, a sport is nothing like the real thing, but it's hard to generate any degree of stress on a static range with a target that's just hanging 10, 10 yards down the, down the road. It's hard to be able to generate the same kind of pressure there that you might experience if you needed the, the firearm, whether it be in, a, in a, an exhaustive training class like the ones the range offers, but also uh, in a real-life scenario. Jason Brown is our guest from the IDPA. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Years and years ago, I went to a paintball range in East St. Louis. It's, it was like in an old stockyard. And they had loud music going and uh, strobe lights and, and obstacles and stuff like that. And just as in paintball world, your adrenaline is fired up. And then a few years back, I did laser tag. And your adrenaline is fired up. So so is that the experience uh, that you get at these events that you host around the country? Absolutely. Uh, what you'll find is as soon as somebody puts some metric of you know, a timer for you to begin or you know, a visual cue for you to begin shooting and some timer that will assess your performance, nerves creep in on everyone. I've been doing this for a little over 10 years, and depending on you know, the level of match, I'll still have, you know, I'll still have the palm sweats and the yeah. butterflies yeah. in the yeah. stomach. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. But it's, it's a great experience to do that. I mean, you don't really get that chance anywhere else. Competition is unique in that. Shooting competitions is pretty unique in that way. Now, now here's here's how I remember it. And, Jason, um, please correct me if I'm wrong, Bo, but this is a timed event. Um, and But you can get time added to your score. So you, you'll move around and, and shoot at, at targets, maybe man-sized targets with, with a, a head shot or a chest shot. And if you don't get both shots within a certain um, circle, then you get time taken off. Is, is, isn't that how it works, Jason? Yeah, it's, we call it time plus scoring. And yes. so your raw time is obviously the most important metric there. But any inaccuracies you present during the course of fire or – like any other game, it has rules. So if you were to find yourself, you know, coming in conflict with those rules, those add time to your performance as well. Now, it, it stands in contrast to some of the other shooting sports that are very popular, uh, specifically handgun shooting sports like the USPSA, which is the United States Practical Shooters Association, and the international version of that, which is called IPSEC. Um, those are more Speed-oriented, IDPA focuses a lot more on accuracy. So inaccuracy can be kind of expensive. Yes. It, it pays to practice. It does. And, you know, on this show that we talk every week, I always, you know, want to encourage people to to train and to clean the gun, you know, repetitively so it's like second nature to them. And what it comes down to is 
muscle memory in a lot of cases, and you don't have that opportunity. Law enforcement goes through certain training. They even have, you know, video programs that they can do where it's interactive and, you know, you're actually, you know, getting that stress level up. But a sheriff, uh, Sheriff Marshak, actually, Jeffco said, when, when it's going down, you actually resort back to your most basic training, and that's what's so necessary. And it takes me back to, it, it reminds me of the mass shooting that occurred at Greenwood Park Mall uh, in uh, Indiana a couple of years ago where uh, they actually created a, a, a test, like uh, what this guy shot at. I forget the yardage of it. Was it, it like, 75 yards? Or, wasn't that far, wasn't it? Wasn't it like 30 I think 40 was 40 the yards? longest shot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think 40 was the generally, generally appreciated to be the longest shot. Still, though, that's with a handgun. With a pistol, <laughs> that's insane. I mean, I don't know if you've ever looked at what a 18-inch wide target looks like at 40 yards over the top of some iron sights. It can be pretty intimidating. And I, now, I think the drill was in good spirit, and I, I've done it myself with, you know, varied results. But in an interview with Eli, he uh, – I think he goes by Eli. It might be Elijah. I can't really remember. Elijah, he, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he said that it was a little bit different in real life. He did brace himself against a, you know, a column or something in the mall for the yeah. longer shots. Um Drill doesn't give you that opportunity, but it's hard to put a column everywhere you go. So, yeah, no, yeah. It, it's a really challenging drill. It, and it puts you in a mindset of what would you do if you had to take a shot that long when most ranges don't go past 25 yards? That's sure, a good, that's good sure. point. Yeah. Um, IDPA.com is the website if people want to go find out more. Uh, so, Jason, tell us about the, the, the competitions itself. Uh, people might be intimidated and think they're walking into a room with, you know, the best shooters in town, but you can join this at your own skill level, right? So if you're new to it, you start at novice and work your way up. Absolutely. We, and the, really the primary focus of this was, was creating an easy on-ramp for novice shooters or new shooters who are just now getting into the self-defense mindset, whether it be carrying it every day, a home defense firearm, whatever the case may be. It allows, based on your equipment and based on your skill level, competition against like-skilled like people. Uh, so, yes, yeah. there, are, there are absolute professionals that compete at a very high level in the sport, uh, just like you find in any sport. But at the same time, their local match will be filled with people who are eager to help you out in any way, shape, or form. Uh, that you require, and you'll have competition right out the gate. That's, yeah. that's on par. I think it's, I, yeah, I think it's so important because it's one of the few sports that could actually save your life. You can get into it for the sport of it, uh, but you know, down the road, you could possibly save your life or protect uh, those loved ones around you. Now, Mark is a, is a golfer. And so he could use his uh, his driver as a weapon, I'm sure, but <laughs> no. there's still not a lot of sports out there that's going to save your life. I'm not very good with that either. I'll just have to say. <laughs> and I think also on how are, how accurate you are with the ball at range, right? Unless you're three feet away, <laughs> yeah. things could be a little bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what's your, what's your advice, uh, Jason, for people who might be interested in this? Uh, uh, you you want to find a, a local club, I would assume, and, and ask a few questions. What's your advice on that? Yeah, so in our local area, you know, we have several great clubs uh, with a lot of different uh, pools of people to compete with, and it's it's a great experience. Everybody's been nice. It's one of the things that distinguishes this sport, I think, from a lot of others, is how welcoming we are to newer people. 
That said, uh, we have locally, we have gatewayidpa.com, which is just sort of a collection of resources that we're putting together for people, no matter where you are within this greater St. Louis metropolitan area, to find a local club that will help you and get a, get a sense of their schedule as well. Yeah. There's usually six events per month, so there's really no reason not to go out and watch one. And, and again, uh, spectators are welcome uh, at every single match I've ever been to. So... Uh, my advice would be, if you have a firearm, you have a, a few serviceable magazines, uh, whether or not you have a holster to carry it in, most clubs will make accommodation for you to be able to shoot, even from the low ready, if you are uncomfortable or un, or inexperienced drawing a loaded firearm. Yeah, that's good. And, you know, like, my again, my introduction to it happened to be at the range st louis west which is where i go all the time and if you even if you go to their website you can see when upcoming idpa matches are are scheduled so if, if, if the range isn't where you go which i'd highly recommend uh, you you can probably check your own local place wherever you go and they they're probably hosting uh, these matches absolutely especially if you know for in st louis anyway we have the range st louis west and baldwin uh, STL Sharpshooters just started their IDPA matches as well. Ooh, so nice. we have indoor options if the weather is is intimidating. Now, I'll recommend, of course, that you shoot in bad weather because not all bad things happen on sunny days. But right, right. Uh, getting used to how your gear works in the rain is a good thing or cold, whatever. Sometimes our hands are different. But uh, I think it's, you know, there's a lot of great, there's a lot of great opportunities in IDPA to get comfortable as a as a civilian, you know, most of the military and, and police have training budgets that uh, we can't match independently as you know as citizens, and so That's they right. get the, they get the opportunity to do these things. IDPA is the, is really the easiest, least expensive way for a concerned citizen to get good at their self at using their self defense tools. It's, it's so important, and and I'll tell you what, when I first saw the uh, show sheet from Carl, our producer. I thought we were going to be talking to a microbrewery. I thought we were talking IPA. Oh, uh, that's not what we're talking <laughs> about afterwards. at all. That's afterwards. That's Mark's weekend. Yeah. <laughs> not before. But, but, but I, will, yeah. I, I will tell you, you guys have produced a ton of videos on YouTube, so that's where I did my homework uh, to prepare for this conversation. I encourage anybody that's listening to this conversation is intrigued. Seriously, you can go buy a gun, but unless you train with it and unless you train in a situation like this, it's a paperweight or it could be very, it could be deadly to you. So you really need to do the right thing and up, up your level of training with the IDPA for sure. Yeah. Again, Jason, gatewayidpa.com. Is that what you said? Yeah, that's our local, that's a, a local site that we're building up to, you know, encourage participation in the greater metropolitan area. Excellent. Uh, well, we have clubs in Illinois. We have clubs in, you know, Missouri all over. Uh, there's a lot of great shooting to be done in this area. Sounds sounds like a uh, fantastic organization. Jason Brown, we appreciate your time this morning, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, buddy. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Yep. Hope you have a great day. Yeah, you too. We'll see you on the range. How about that? Absolutely. All right. Very, very good. Appreciate that. So I want to meet you for that. Oh, yeah. I, I think it'd be a good time. So here's the thing. Really, uh, it's for anybody at any skill level. It's also for whatever type of weapon you prefer to carry they've got a division right. for revolvers they've got a division for uh, the carry optics if you if you if you've got your gun set up with optics they've got one for just service pistols custom defense pistols compact carry i mean anything you prefer to shoot they've got it in there
So, dude, I've got so many people in my head that probably have never heard of this, <laughs> and I really want to. I'm going to be sending their website out to so many people uh, because I'm just learning of this organization. And ironically, it's not. There's no organization that's the International um, uh, uh, Assault Pistol Association, <laughs> no, so that doesn't that exist. Of course not. It's about defense. <clears throat> it's about defense. Dang it. Yes, indeed. Just okay. like our show. Are we done? Yeah, that's right. We're we're done. That does it for Yay. Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors. Have a great weekend. See you, boys. Get more at 971talk.com.